This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is Campaign Catch-Up, bringing you the top news and analysis about the election right up until polling day. It's Friday, the 29th of April. Today, political reporter Paul Carf is here to talk about whether a Labor government would actually lift wages. But first, here's what happened today. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese is this morning out of isolation. Labor leader Anthony Albanese flew to Perth to launch the party's campaign this weekend. That's the place where inflation rose the most over the last year. And it's also home to three marginal seats that Labor's targeting, Pierce, Hasluck and Swan. It underlines to us that I want to represent the entire country, including people in Western Australia. And it's about time that the West got such a big event during a federal election campaign. Albanese says he'll be following his doctor's advice and resting when he feels very tired, which may mean fewer than usual appearances on the campaign trail. Meanwhile, Deputy Labor leader Richard Miles has also tested positive for COVID, so it's now his turn to isolate at home for seven days. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg talked up the budget's forecast that wages will grow over coming years. That's the same budget that failed to predict this week's inflation rise. He also highlighted the huge savings households and businesses have made since the pandemic began to back up his optimistic view of how the economy will look after the election. That is money that will be spent throughout the economy as the savings ratio comes down, as health restrictions have eased and people get about their normal daily lives living with COVID. So I'm actually more than a glass half full when it comes to the Australian economy and its prospects. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison was back in Tasmania in the Liberals' most marginal seat of Bass. Morrison pointed to a number of measures the government had put in place to keep electricity prices down during his government. He blamed more recent increases in power bills on the rising cost of coal due to the war in Ukraine. Today, the Australian energy market operator released a report saying that wholesale power prices have more than doubled in the last year, which will likely flow onto retail bills soon. And Morrison continued the government's slanging match with the Prime Minister of Solomon Islands, Manasse Sogavare, after a week spent defending Australia's influence in the Pacific. Australia's Foreign Minister Maurice Payne has criticised the secrecy surrounding Solomon Islands' security pact with China. Sogavare then accused the Australian government of hypocrisy, given Australia had not consulted with him on its AUKUS pact before it was announced. Today, Morrison hit back, saying Sogavare had had no issues with AUKUS at the time. As time goes on and new relationships are entered into, there's obviously been some clearly some other influences in, in the perspective taken by the Solomon Islands Prime Minister. Do you mean when he just said there's other influences, are you saying that he's parroting China's rhetoric? Well, there's a remarkable similarity between those statements and those of the Chinese government. Coming up, political reporter Paul Karp joins me to talk about whether Labor's promises could lift wages. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Hi, Jane. Yeah, good, thanks. So, Paul, the PM's been getting a lot of difficult questions on the economy in light of the higher-than-expected inflation rate rise this week. He says you can't wave a magic wand and lift wages all of a sudden, but that the coalition's doing its best by cutting taxes and also having a target of 1.3 million new jobs over the next few years. What's your take on this approach? Well, I, I think it's true that you can't wave a wand and do it. And uh, with low unemployment at 4%, you know, people should be demanding uh, higher pay rises. 
But that's not to say that there aren't actions that the government could be taking to boost people's wages um, that they have chosen not to do. And those aren't recent decisions. They're, you know, in the case of the minimum wage case, they haven't been calling for pay rises in any of their um, submissions over many years now. So there are things they could be doing that they're not. Well, on the other side, Labor is saying that if it is elected, it will try to lift wages through a range of different measures. And one of them is, as you mentioned, uh, the minimum wage cases that are before the Fair Work Commission. How effective do you think that will be? Yeah, so there are two cases here. One is every year the Fair Work Commission considers whether to increase uh, the minimum wage. Um, Intervention in this would be helpful but not determinative. It's still up to the tribunal to decide uh, on that. They don't take direction from the government. Now, on the aged care case, that's, um, you know, unions and industry are discussing whether the increased complexity and the work value that people are doing in aged care merits a pay rise of, you know, $5 an hour, so quite significant, 25% really. Um, and government intervention would be more meaningful there because the government is the primary funder of aged care and the industry has said that they would need the government to be paying for the pay rise that's ordered by the commission. So given the commission considers employers' capacity to pay, the government saying that they'd be prepared to would be very significant. Mm. Well, we also know that Labor wants to pass laws that ensure people employed by Labor hire companies get paid the same rate as those that are hired directly for the same job. What do you make of that one? Yeah, so Labor has a suite of industrial relations policies. The one that would be most effective right away is for employees of Labor hire, they get placed in businesses uh, alongside workers that are directly employed by that business. So you've got this situation where they could be doing the same job with different conditions and different pay because they technically have different employers. So that would be something that Labor would need to change the Fair Work Act to do, but would have a relatively immediate impact on people's pay if they are employed by Labor hire. Well, Labor also wants to give the Fair Work Commission more power over jobs in the gig economy, and they also want to make underpayment of wages or wage theft a crime. What do you make of those measures? Yeah, some of those are a lot more indirect. I mean, you know, the Fair Work Commission would have to consider whether some sorts of jobs are so much like employment that they should get the same conditions as employees like the minimum wage. And so that would be a legislative change and then, you know, a test case and and many years off. That wouldn't give immediate uh, relief. In terms of criminalising wage theft, there was actually bipartisan agreement on both sides to do that, but the coalition yanked it from their own industrial relations bill when they couldn't get much of the rest of it through. It was seen as a favour to employers that if they couldn't deliver the bits of the bill that the employers actually wanted, then they could at least take off the table the penalties for wage theft. So hopefully uh, that, that will change in the next term of parliament. I mean, it sounds like a lot of a number of the measures that Labor are proposing could have some effect. Uh, but while we're on the subject of higher wages, Paul, we're also talking a lot about cost of living this week because of those inflation figures. Labor has said that one of their policies, which should help families with the rising cost of living, is to increase childcare subsidies for ninety percent of people. Will it? 
Yeah, so Labor's arguing, you know, everything's going up except uh, your wages and the, the main policy to combat cost of living uh, is more generous childcare subsidies. And, you know, y- yes, that would make childcare cheaper, but also uh, is, a, is a sort of a productivity and participation measure where if you're not facing as high effective rates of tax because you're losing the subsidy if you choose to go back to work or you go back to work more days every week, then you might work the third, fourth, fifth uh, day that week if you're a primary carer. Uh, And, you know, that doesn't lift your wages per se, but it does increase your take-home pay if you choose to work more days in the week. So overall, when we're looking at all of these promises, these policies as a package, when Labor says a vote for them will do more to lift wages, how accurate would you say that is? Well, wages are probably due to go up because it's such a tight labour market and there's low unemployment. So, the market operating as you'd normally expect should mean that wages rise under either side. But Labor has also outlined a a series of policies that for workers in particular sections of the economy should result in a higher pay rise. Not everyone is going to get a pay rise. And so, you know, Labor will make grand claims uh, that sound like everyone will get a pay rise. Uh, and they've got some good ideas. They've got some good ideas uh, that will help some people, but you always have to look at the detail with these things. Mm. So, Paul, the coalition often accuses Labor of being unable to deliver on increased wages because that's really a matter for the private sector. Yeah, when when they say you can't wave a wand and lift wages, what they mean is that employers and in, in set wages in negotiation with employees, and so it's the private sector, not the government, that does that. But of course, uh, when it comes to making grandiose claims like the coalition will deliver 1.3 million jobs. Uh, they employ the opposite logic that anything that happens in the economy uh, because of decisions of others, including the private sector, as long as it happens on their watch, is something they can take credit for. And I don't think they've got a pl- well. They haven't. Out- they don't seem to have outlined a plan for how those 1.3 million jobs will be created outside of the public sector. No, they just they just list their policies, which is you know creates some jobs, but it doesn't create the 1.3. The government can't take sole responsibility but doesn't also take all of the blame you can only judge them by what policies they're planning on enact and what relative difference that would make and at least on wages labor has offered more to to suggest that they would be able to have an impact okay thanks so much for your time paul cheers jane that's your campaign catch-up for today Tomorrow, go have a listen to Guardian Australia's politics team answering listeners' questions about the election on Catherine Murphy's podcast, Australian Politics. What I just think is kind of insane in in this campaign is the coalition's message, which is essentially like, oh, we, we couldn't fix what was happening before and we had no control over that, but you can only trust us to control it moving on. Well, they've had almost a decade. Just search for Australian Politics wherever you're listening to this podcast. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you next week.